Hello, everybody. Welcome to um, yeah. Whenever we talk to our our, our, our partner John, it always begins with "Hello, everybody" or "Hello, hello. from Seinfeld." Uh, anyway, so that's that. And today we're going to be talking about, uh, did I even say story studio podcast? Welcome to the story studio podcast. Um, we're going to be talking about, it's a podcast. It is, it is a podcast. I miss that original art. I think we should go back to it for worst show ever. Yes. Um, we're going to talk about just cases where there's, you know, art, can you have multiple main characters or who is the main character of, of, of certain movies? It's not always straightforward. On the last episode, we talked about the matrix and it's pretty easy that, and, and actually, I would tweak this because Dave was a, a kind of like, well, how would you debate why there aren't? Well, I heard that there was a debate about it. And I was like, did anybody take the other side? I can't imagine that. <laughs> and I think that what we want to talk about more is, say, protagonists, like wh- who has an arc? You know, are there are there multiple arcs going on? That sort of thing. Um, but before we delve into that... Um, oh, okay. I want to do something cools, but because Dave had a cliffhanger from last week, but before we do that, and this is actually kind of a weird mind fucky future thing is because I wanted to tell you guys about the new book that's out, but it's not actually out. So for the, for you live viewers, this book isn't actually out. I don't know where the link goes, but, um, by the time it's on the feed, it will be out. And that's a tale of two authors. Um, we have a link in the note about that. Do you want to just briefly describe what that is, Sean, Uh, since I actually don't know a ton of detail about it? Yeah, I I've, I actually really, really enjoyed writing this. Um, so it started out as a very simple idea that, of course, I couldn't stick to. Um, so those of you who know Andre Chaperone, uh, who is... Who, our- what kind of name? Is that a name? <laughs> Sorry, Andre, that's a callback. Um, uh, uh, Andre is just, he's really great. And he's um, one of our very favorite marketers, just super ethical story-based marketing. Um, and super, uh, super nice guy too. Very smart. Really, really great guy. Yeah. Um, and he has this really wonderful, uh, post that he wrote. I think it's like 10 years old now. Um, and it's called Frank and Matt. And it basically contrasts two different marketers. One who's like a real opportunist and always like, you know, looking for water in the desert and another guy who just sits down and digs a well instead. And so, um, uh, I thought that'd be an interesting thing to explore because for authors, opportunity cost is not really something that we pay a lot of attention to. Now, for us internally right now, it's something we pay huge attention to. But for the first many years, it was like, wee! Um, you know, and we just did whatever kind of seemed the most fun. Uh, for me and Johnny, that meant writing whatever we wanted from Unicorn Western to Hop Into the Beam to, you know, adult video, like all in the same year, which is crazy. Um, and you know, for the company at large, it meant jumping into education and software and doing all this other stuff where if we had just like, can you actually, Johnny, we don't talk about this in the book, but can you imagine if, um, now I don't think this world exists because I think a lot of our superpowers that we have right now have come from our wayward direction in the last several years. But can you imagine if six, seven years ago, we just said, you know what, let's just Right. <laughs> let's do nothing but write books and well, let's do that. Done. Let's do that. Right. So um, this is what that book is about. It's the, you know, the two paths. Um, there's one. So there's writer. the right path and then there's what we did. Right. The Except the right path. <laughs> neither one are, are, are right or wrong. Both paths, you know, have some things they could do better. Now there's a Pete 
Um, and for those of you who think this is funny, um, his name is Pete because for the first many years that we had write, publish, repeat, we um, said it very fast, especially me. So it sounded like this, the book was called Write, Publish, Repeat. So um, our main character is named Pete. And then the other character is Alexa. And um, Alexa just does a little better job, I guess, in, um, uh, in weighing what things are going to cost her. And so, do you ever um, say anything like Alexa, turn on all the lights in the house? <laughs> Never. <laughs> um, but I do think that it's a now it's Alexa, turn off all the lights. I did. You ever say this right now? Yeah, yeah I did. My nude. Um, so anyway, the um, uh, it's our first parable. It's the first parable I ever wrote. Um, but I didn't really know how to get this information across without it being really dry and boring. Yeah, how are you um, feeling about parables? Everybody loves parables. <laughs> yeah, so when we were brainstorming this book, Neve let me know that she hates parables. But the reason she hates parables is because they're usually not done they're by They're so formulaic. There's always some wizened old cliche yeah. character who shows up at exactly the right time. I just happen to be in the neighborhood. I'm a little offensive. I'm yeah, going to tell you exactly what you need to hear. Yeah, we don't we don't have that issue in in, in this. It it is it is a parable written by a storyteller, a professional storyteller. So it, it does pull that off. But I do think um, I, I do think I, I think you guys will like it. It's different than the other nonfiction that we put out so far. Um, but I think it's a special title. Well, so I want to move on to something cool. But um, l- let me just ask you really quick: if it's a tale of two authors and they both neither one is really right, what's is there a lesson? Like, what's the lesson? What are you getting out of this book? Oh, yeah, for sure. There's a lesson. I, I would say, um, and, and I do wrap it up at the end. There is, it's not all narrative at the end. I'm like, okay, well, here's how you would apply it to you as an author. And the point is that I think we all exist on a spectrum. I don't think Pete is right. I don't think Alexa is right. I think that they're both right. I think Alexa could have afforded to take a few more chances. Pete could have taken way less. Um, but the point is when I started out, I would say I was probably 80 to 90% Pete and 10 to 20 Alexa. And now it's completely the opposite. I'm probably 80 to 90% Alexa. And I just got a little bit of Pete left in me and that that's a good thing. Um, but it, it also depends on who you are, who you're collaborating with. Um, I think that the point is to recognize yourself in both stories and then just be more aware. So if you guys are interested in that, it is at sterlingandstone.net slash two authors, and two is spelled out, T-W-O, sterlingandstone.net slash two authors. All right, so Dave, relieve the, uh, the, the anticipation on your something cool. Let's hear it. So Netflix released El Camino, which is a Breaking Bad movie that follows the ending of Breaking Bad. I'm not going to spoil Breaking Bad or El how, Camino. How hyped were you for this before it came out? Oh, very hyped. Uh, well, I guess if you watched it at 1201, <laughs> it kind of answers the question. But but I will say this. Uh, lower your expectations. You'll enjoy it more. Okay. <laughs> it's wonderful, well, but lower your expectations. I don't have huge expectations. I think that... Um, I have I great a, expectations. <laughs> I think it's amazing that they were able to film it in secret and that it was all done. Like, um, And I think that he's a subtle storyteller and... Yeah. So like I just uh, what I expect is not some big revelatory explosive piece of work. What I expect is a character. Well, there is an explosion. It ha- it's a movie, so there has to be an explosion. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, I mean a character study. Yeah, I know. That's all I, I, that's all I want. I, want I, I will say that there's no real surprise. Okay. Uh, whatever you thought happened, pretty much happened. Okay. Uh, 
in, in I don't need to be surprised. I need to be well. See, I think a lot of people are hoping, and I'm not gonna say what, but I think a lot of people are hoping for like you know, oh, oh, there's not, not like that he's moment. Actually, alive or something. I'm not gonna say <laughs> that's stupid because that would just undermine. And it, I don't right, it undermines it. I hate that. Yeah. That's that's what I that's why I hate Doctor Sleep after The Shining because it just undermined everything that happened at the end of the, of my favorite book. Uh, so yeah, it, it pretty much just tells what happened to Jesse after the end of Breaking Bad. Uh, th- there are some cool cameos in it. I will say that much, but it's a it's a it's a smaller movie. It's really like. Two is it, really good episodes. It two hours? It's two hours, a little over two hours, I think, uh, or just under. It's like really two good, really episodes, and there is a very cool, uh, like, there's a very cool scene. There's two. There's okay. It's got two things that Vince Gilligan does really well. Close-ups um, or weird ass like angle. weird angle, a weird angle. There, there is there is a scene, an overhead shot. Uh, where Jesse is like tearing his house apart. It's not spoiling anything. And the overhead shot is fucking awesome because you're like, it, it, you just really appreciate it. And then there's a scene later where there's a, a very good uh, sort of a, a, a build up to something that happens and it's really fucking awesome. So there's really, there's two, there's a good payoff, but it's a, it's a slow simmer sort of smaller story so if you go in expecting that it's perfect if you if you wanted like uh i don't know some big twist or anything you're not gonna get that yeah i don't need a big twist that sounds perfect for me actually yeah Uh, i mean really i just want to see him uh take care of the characters that we've seen right um and, and and jesse like I always wanted to know what happened to Jesse. I think that I don't. I'm done with Walter. Like I, I know his story, and I don't need any more from Saul because that's a whole separate thing. But all I would want from this, I don't. Wait, need you don't need more from Saul? No, no, no. I mean, I know that that's being handled. Oh yeah, like, okay. right. I don't need a, a movie about Saul, but uh, this feels like closure. Like you know, Saul got his extra story, and Walter's done. But Jesse. Like Jesse really was the heart and soul of Breaking Bad. I was hoping they'd find a way to make Mike alive. I will spoil that he's not alive. I was because you know technically he could have still been alive. I was hoping for that. I fucking love that character. Yeah, I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I I have I was thinking of some, but they're um we've done them all. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm gonna do two, but I'm gonna do really quickly because we've already talked about them before. But just sort of to reinforce or we haven't heard him in a while and I think they're cool. The first is actually really recent. So Sean mentioned the corrections and I started reading it and I really love it. So I just got to oh, say, yeah. <laughs> um, yes. now, I mean, it's a little slower cause I'm juggling it with, I'm reading something internally as well and I'm not terribly far into it, but I'm like, I don't know, 20%. And I just, I don't know. Every once in a while, I really like that indulgent literary style where you can go off in some weird long sentence, parenthetical, whatever. Yeah. The, um, the, the section Are with, you- are you listening to it or are you reading it? No, no, I'm reading it. I'm reading it and I'm enjoying reading it. But just things like, I mean, for anybody who's worried about spoilers for the corrections or whatever, I don't think this is really a spoiler, <laughs> but it's a scene where he's walking around with the like salmon in his 
in his pants and stuff oh, is just yeah, wonderful. Yeah. I, I told Cindy all about that scene after I read yeah, it. Yeah, that's a really good scene, a really good character moment. So I, I do really enjoy that. And then the second thing, again, which we've also covered on this show before, but uh, I finally started reading, in this case I am listening to, um, Quiet, the audiobook. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I hadn't read it before. And it's interesting because I think that as I get a little older, I'm realizing that I have a lot more introvert tendencies than I think I do. Um, yeah. because I'm, I'm able to turn it on. And if you guys have seen, you know, like Summit Johnny, like I can really genuinely, it's not anything that's, that's disingenuous, um, walk around and just be very extroverted and, and interested in everything that's going on. But day to day, like I kind of am a loner. Um, I'm, I'm honestly, a lot like Dave in my, I just kind of, you know, I, I do kind of do my own thing. I do, I have my own introvert tendencies. I like quiet. Um, at the end of like at the end of these podcasts, for some reason, the end of Friday, I am gassed. Um, yeah, Johnny's like very specific about the time for that reason. He's like, yeah, I'm done. (laughs) I think I'm done when it's done. Yeah. I need to put, if I put something after the podcast on the schedule, it needs to be like, like I could talk to, to John after the podcast or something like I could do, I could do a meeting that wasn't very high octane, but like writing or something only if I really, really have to. Um, so anyway, that was interesting just to give my, give me some more insight into myself, but it's a little less practical than I had hoped. There's a lot more like studies about, it's almost like she's kind of uh, an introvert apologist. And I mean, I already like, I'm cool with that. I'm, I I don't think introverts are bad and need to be convinced. Introverts aren't lazy assholes. (laughs) Right. I wish she had done a little bit more of like, and maybe this is coming. I have like an hour left of like how to, how to deal like strategies and stuff. It's, it's, um, it's called quiet. I forget. Susan Cain, I think is the author. Susan Cain. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just called quiet. Like it's, it's like the power of introverts in a noisy world or something. And, and it's interesting. So. Yeah, I, I, I might be on the extreme spectrum in that after I speak to anybody for even five minutes, I have to go shower and cry for about an hour <laughs> in the fetal position. Well, I used wow. to fight that and um, I'm and just kind of bully uh, bulldoze my way through it. But I'm be increasingly realizing like, no, I, I really do need that downtime. And I know that when we've done, we did something for the summit, I think it was this year, where we had three things right in a row and then sean had an extra thing we weren't putting it on but we had like one more thing yeah we had like two days of summit one day a workshop two days of stone table and they were back to back to back and then sean had something else it was like a full week fisting funnel oh my god i came home and they were end to end like we we would start i would go even earlier because i go to the gym first but we'd start early and then we'd have dinners and stuff and go late and then get up early and do it again and it was i was by the end, I was physically ill. Like it was just a whole thing. So anyway, I thought that was interesting, and I would recommend it. Quiet by Susan Cain. Do you have one, Sean? Uh, yeah, um, mine's a book. Also, um, it's. Uh, <laughs> I just started it. I'm only maybe a third of the way through, but I can already tell I really love it. Um, it's Ryan Holiday's latest book um, uh, called "Stillness Is the Key," and uh, it dovetails of- very well with what I was just talking about. Yeah, it really does. They're they're very complimenting books, um, and it's it's his usual style um, that he's done for the last few books, um, where he's taking, you know, ideas from the Stoics and Greek philosophers. And, yeah, he likes that blank is the blank sort of construction too. Right, right. So like, obstacle is the way. Um, ego is the enemy. Ego is the enemy. Yeah, and his stuff's just good. Um, I, I think perennial. Uh, what is it? Perennial seller. seller? Mm. Perennial seller should be required reading for every indie author. Um, yeah, I enjoyed Perennial Seller. It was a little like, um, I found it to be a little bit like the one thing in that 
I got it pretty quick and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I didn't think there was a ton of extra detail that was necessary, but I did enjoy it. Yeah, you, you'll like um, you'll like stillness is the key, I think, because there's a lot of stories, um, just mm-hmm. anecdotal. Oh, and by the way, I I did because you were saying that thing yesterday about slowing it down, so I did that today, and it was hilarious. <laughs> like I was laughing. Yeah, what he's talking about, and you guys won't care about this, but just so that's not dangling out there, is um, I listen to Ryan Holiday. I listen to most audiobooks on two x, twice the speed, and including Ryan Holiday, who reads his own books, and his cadence at two x is actually he's a little fast because but it's comfortable like i don't mind it sounds like conversational yeah if he he came up and talked to me i would expect him to talk at that speed and it wouldn't be that unusual um and so i tried sean at one x well i actually made that (laughs) reference on the meeting yesterday because sean does talk and i talk you're not the first one dude right like i talk quickly and so when um i just I know it's 2x intellectually, but I figure that's just how he sounds. And he has a good sound to him. And don't tell Ryan I said this. Sorry, Ryan. But when I slowed him down, I was like, I was like, oh, this voice isn't nearly as interesting. I just and he it sounded very slow, but it was funny. And that's how he talks. And I just got used to the fast version. Yeah. All right. Well, since you already since you already actually blew the whole punchline, I'll go ahead and fill it in. So mm-hmm. yesterday Johnny said he sounds like he's totally drunk. Yes. <laughs> and so, uh, and so I was laughing out loud because yes, if, after you're listening to Ryan Holiday on um, on two X and then you slow it down to one X, he does sound very drunk. <laughs> so and, and I don't think it's just because I'm used to it. Like I think that that two X speed legit sounds like a good pace to me. Do yeah, you like too. fiction at two X? No, depends on the book. Okay, I I can't listen to anything two X. I I like the thoughtful pauses. I like. I like all of that. I like even when I'm listening to podcasts where I used to have it where it would, you know, delete the pauses between things. I didn't like it. Oh, I like the normal nuts. conversation. Yeah, I, I can't. I mean, I actually <laughs> this is a little masturbatory, but I, I used to listen to our podcast a lot um, just because I should again, because I do enjoy like these. These are fun. Um, there was a while where they weren't as much fun to me, but they, they're fun again. And um and yeah, I didn't ever listen to him accelerated pace because I enjoyed the banter. So, uh, okay. So moving into the topic, I guess. So what's the best way to frame this? So the, the question, cause I stumbled over it a little bit, but the idea is, you know, who is the main it actually, okay. So it stemmed from a company Slack debate. Um, basically, can you have more than one main character? And again, we're to, when we say main character, so like in the matrix, is it like the, who who the the average audience member is going to care about the most? Well, I, I think that that's part of what we're here to dissect. But um, I'm actually I'm actually going to pull back a little bit from the term main character, even though I understand what it means and it's going to feel roughly equivalent, probably to most people. But a main character is almost like there's a character. Is he or she main or not? Primary. So, like in the Matrix, you could say, "Oh, well, the main characters are Morpheus, Trinity, and Neo. Why would it? Why would Morpheus or Trinity not be the main character because they're main characters?" But if we're talking about like protagonists, you know, um, who actually I'm realizing in the notes here is a main character different from protagonist, and I guess I'm arguing that it is. But I think that we're looking at, you know, can there be multiple main characters, or is there ambiguity of a main character in certain popular fiction as to? you know, who we're really following and who we care how they develop and they have their crisis moments and they need to change internally and that sort of thing. I mean, that's, that's the way I'm interpreting this. Yes. No. Yeah. That sounds right to me. 
So what does make somebody a main character or a protagonist, or do we even want to use those interchangeably? I think that the it's about um, like how much you care. I think if you don't care about a character, it doesn't it, it doesn't matter. So, so like every character in the Da Vinci Code, there's no main uh, character. Um, okay, so <laughs> the code itself. So like, Da Vinci um, is the is the main character. <laughs> okay, so um, Stand by Me. Yes. Right now, Stand by Me is um, just kind of an awesome movie for like it's got great four characters now i think most people if you saw that movie and they would just ask you you know who's the main character it'd probably be um will wheaton right because he's narrating it as um the the grown-up is uh richard dreyfus in the future um but to me when i saw that movie there was no doubt about it river phoenix uh, yeah, absolutely. He's the character I cared about the most. I wanted to know what happened to Chris Chambers. I wanted to. Um, I was very, very much invested in that. So um, uh, I don't know that he's the main character, but he is the the character I cared about the most. See, I think I would tend to define it in terms of arc. And it'll be interesting to see if we believe that there can be. I think that ensemble movies so I think that there definitely can. I think that ensemble movies, that's very much the case because the walking dead is well, TV show, but well, I think a lot of long running TV, I mean, we're watching shameless right now and I don't know why I never really noticed this before. Cause it's not like it's unique to shameless, but at the beginning of shameless, if you haven't seen it, you're watching that family, you're watching the Gallagher's, but by season nine or whatever it's in, there's a Frank story. There's a Liam story. There's a Fiona story and they don't really intersect very much. They're just kind of like, you just see scenes from each one. And I think that, so like Magnolia is, I mean, they all do come together in the end, but that's one where the characters feel very different for at least most of the movie. Like by different, I mean separated. Yeah. That's uh who was the main character for Magnolia? That's a good question. Maybe there yeah. isn't. Um, I, I, it depends who you identify with, I guess. Um, I think that if you look at like the, the cop, the, yeah, I would have said John C. Riley if I had character. To. Yeah. It, he it, was he, the heart of it, but you know, Tom Cruise's character was very integral to it. And I don't know. Or, or, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. I mean, he's yeah. minor, but he's also touching. And I everybody. forget, I forget the, 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 the daughter's name. Uh, she was also like, yeah, that would be a tough movie to die. So we should have done that. Uh, who is the main character of, you know, a movie that like, I think we're the only ones that like. <laughs> well, I, I, I think also if you're looking at um, I, I, what's the takeaway for anybody listening to this now, it's how do you um, do you treat all of your characters like a main character in that you have to care about them, you know, a lot so that that shows up on the page. Or are I, they... I, Sorry, Dave, go ahead. No, you go, you go. Well, I was going to say, or are they a bunch of characters, many of which are a foil against which the protagonist is measured? I I think with, uh, in our own case study, I was thinking, like when I first saw the show notes, I was thinking about Yesterday's Gone. The main character isn't who it was supposed to be. It no. became somebody, it became the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. But is he the main character or is he just the most popular character in the No, he's the main character. No, he becomes the main character. Yeah. Of the series. But you wouldn't know that early in. And it was by design. It was by was by design design after season one, though, right? Middle of season one. 
like I was thinking like because I, I I really like his background in the fact uh, we're talking about Mauricio and the fact that he was so damaged and like could we make somebody so reprehensible into the hero of the story and it was like let's see how he could do that <laughs> it was kind of awesome I remember did, where but- I was when Sean uh, spoiled a Mauricio twist that involved an eye patch. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I don't want to say it in case somebody hasn't read Yesterday's Gone. Um, but uh, I can see that being, because, I mean, if anything is going to be a multiple main character situation, I would think that that's it, because you guys, the the way you wrote that, I happen to know, was truly isolated. Like, you didn't really, have a Yeah, there really the was no main character. Um, I wrote it as no main character in, in, in mine, but if I was going to have a main character, it wouldn't have been Baricio. It would have been my first choice. Probably would have been Mary um, because there's a group there, and she's a mother and a daughter. She automatically has someone to protect. There's like a built-in arc there. Baricio was a wild card. My second choice would have been Luca, who's an eight-year-old boy missing his family. Like, there's an arc there too. The serial killer. There's no arc. He was there for <laughs> chaos. Like, I just wanted to have fun. That's why he existed. But he did become the heart of the story. And so there's a question there, too. How much do you as the author decide that and how much do you listen to it as the story unfolds? And um, Because I think Dave and I were both listening. We were taking the pulse of the story, but we were also um, paying attention to how. I've never um, had one that was a surprise. That hasn't happened to me. I mean, I've had ones where a character stands out and becomes a favorite, but that's different from being a protagonist. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Cause like, I know like you love Caspian. I love Caspian White. Right. Yeah. But, um, but that's not, he's not really. a main, well, he's, he was a main character of one book that's not even in our, our thing, but he's, um, even then I would argue he wasn't, but he's just a fun character and I could see him having a real prominence in the fourth season of the beam. What about, um, uh, uh Sam Dial? in um in the beam so there's a character who i'm not saying he became a main character at all but he was basically like written as kind of a joke, a joke so yeah. that, right but then as we wrote him he became more important he became more into the important of the story he got lines he got well like, important is different from main I, I tend to think in terms of arc so some of the examples that we have here so like lethal weapon is a buddy movie um riggs and murtaugh you could argue okay it's both of them and it is, but it's Riggs, like because he's the one with all the damage. Like you start out just seeing yeah, how bad yeah, off he it's, is. It's he hard to, to argue with that, right? And um, you know, similarly, like uh, Titanic. So Titanic is, you know, is it Jack or is it Rose? I think it's clearly Rose. I don't think it's Jack. I think that Jack was kind of always who he was. He found love or whatever, but he was he was who he was, and it's Rose who had to change. I think that that's the filter through which you, I would see these things. I would agree with that. Um, go ahead. You well, no, I was, well, I was just going to ask, I was just going to ask Dave, um, because, uh, something that's happened with a lot of our stories is we have the, like the antagonist gets its own POV. Right. And, um, Dave usually picks some, you know, pretty unsavory antagonists, but we do a really good job of getting in their heads and making them an actual character. So is there any, like, probably the most heinous uh, example of this that we have is a, a character named Paul Bott. Um, and he's... Yeah, I, I read that, dude. 
Yeah. It was so uncomfortable. <laughs> but he's not a uh, he's not a, a he's not a monster in the same way that Baricio is, where Baricio, you know, there is a heart. Well, he's there. worse. He has he has damage. Um, yes, but Baricio does Baricio does things specifically to connect with the reader. So it's mm-hmm. like, hey, I really want you to be um, in on this with me. We don't do that with Paul. We can't do that with Paul. No, like, he's he is a, an unredeemable monster, and yet yeah, it's you're our right. Job. A dude who um, has sex with dead bodies and and murders people <laughs> that that dude can be turned around. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, the dead bodies aren't hurting anyone. Um, children is like you're you're ruining. What if they were them. dead children? God, can we not? (laughs) Just trying to fill Dave's void. (laughs) So the big void, (laughs) the big void. So what's your question, Sean? Well, anyway, the point is that with a character like that, we're we're not trying to um, bring the the reader in, but we're still trying to develop enough empathy so that the character feels like a real person and the reader is in the story. So do you ever treat that? I'm just asking out of actual curiosity because I only get the drafts when they're back. I know you get in these characters' heads, but do you ever think of them like seriously treating a guy like Paul Dodd as the protagonist when you're telling his side of the story? Only from his point of view in that I don't think anybody is like the the villain of their own story. They have you know, whatever conditions made them into the monster that they are, you try to explain that in a way that you're, you're not defending them, but you are letting the reader know how this person can truly exist. Because I I think it's important for a a good story for me anyway, that it's got to be believable. You got to see, well, how can this sequence of events lead to this happening? Like, because even consider like, okay, say you got uh, somebody that's, uh, I don't know, uh, they, they got a meth house across the street from you. Okay, I've been there. Okay, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> same here. <laughs> Several years ago, so you you think of that person and you're like, oh, fucking asshole. Like you're just thinking like all these negative things. But if you rewind their life at all you could see the steps that uh, where it went wrong. Usually anyway, you could see they, they weren't, they, they didn't just, they weren't this person at the beginning. How did they end up this way? And I like examining that in characters. And I think it does make it a little better. You, you, you want to be careful that the audience isn't asked to sympathize with an uh, unforgivable thing, but at the same time, you want them to, to, to understand, understand them. Yeah, and I think it makes a person scarier because you can see how that person can exist and it just makes it all the more real to me. And and, and being real makes it way scarier than just some unbelievable thing. Like, that's why monster movies never really frighten me because I know that's not going to happen. But you, you, you take, you know, some some serial killer that becomes obsessed or whatever, and you just see how that happens. Yeah. That's pretty fucking frightening for me. Anyway, I don't know. Some people are scared by. No, I'm with you. The the more real something is, I I think 
by far the, the more upsetting it is. Yeah, that's why zombie shows never really the zombies never really frighten me as much as the people because the zombies are well, people are always impossible. gonna frighten you more. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what about um, movies or books with multiple character arcs? So, like, I have an opinion on this, but like Pulp Fiction. You mean like who's the main character? Who's the main in- character, or are there multiples? I think that the, I don't know that you can say there are multiple main characters, but I okay. Wait, wait, no. Let me say or that. Protagonists, if we're. I, I, I think Tarantino could say there are multiple main characters, but I think that if you like, once you are consuming, you have to decide who the main character is. So I would know, agree it, with that. I think you need a, a, a north star under which to align everything. Otherwise, it just is a bunch of stuff that happens. Agreed. So you know, for me, I, I, I'm most interested in Sam Jackson. Right, like. See, I would have picked Vincent Vega. Right, and most people would actually. I think, but um, but not for me. I I like the other way. Hmm. Interesting. So snakes on a motherfucking plane. Yeah, Dave. Dave, Who would you pick as the uh, the head for or the protagonist for Pulp Fiction? I barely remember Pulp Fiction, but Sam Jackson simply because I never really cared for John Travolta. (laughs) Or, I mean, Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis has a very definite arc. Um, you know, actually, actually, Bruce Willis probably has the the most complete arc. Yeah, I, he wasn't the main for me. Yeah, ensembles are harder because the characters don't. When I say ensembles, I mean where they're kept separate, where the storylines are kept separate for a long period of time. Because without the characters interacting, you don't get that whole, um, uh, like, seeing each other through the other person, the other character's eyes, like usually a, a secondary character or a second main character or whatever is a foil through which you see the, the, so like once upon a time in Hollywood, which I won't spoil, but it's amazing. Um, so you could say, well, well, like Brad Pitt's character is really big. Well, no, um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character is there and Brad Pitt's character is a, a contrast. He's, he's another, he's another element, you know, through which we see Leonardo DiCaprio's character. He's what Leonardo DiCaprio's character could have been you know, under certain circumstances, that sort of thing. I, I think the the the, the best you know, to to bring Vince Gilligan up yet again. Uh, Breaking Bad, Walter White is the main character. Jesse Pinkman becomes the heart of the story, the yeah. secondary main character. Then in Better Call Saul, you take this comedy relief from Breaking Bad. He is a main character. And then Mike is a main character, and Saul's brother is a main character. You have any one of yeah, those? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Any one of those people, you want to know their fucking story, and like they have, in, in, especially in Better Call Saul, it, it breaks from format more than Breaking Bad, um, where like one character will have like a complete arc in this in the story, and it breaks away from the main story, like. 70 80 percent of the show is about like mike or something or or saul's brother uh jimmy no no jimmy's Saul. uh i don't remember his brother's name anyway it takes away but i never mind the diversion because i like that character i want to know where that goes he can make a show about every one of these fucking characters as the star of that show and i would watch it you know i'd watch a show about skinny pete like no doubt about it well you know after el camino i would too he has a good moment in that, and I loved it. Yeah, my favorite, my favorite Skinny Pete moment, and I, I like. I don't even remember who Skinny Pete is. 
He's got, he's like, he's, he's skinny. Is he he's in Better older. Call Saul or is he in Breaking Bad? He's in Breaking Bad. He's got fucked up skin. Yeah, I don't uh, remember him. He always wears like that, that hat. Yeah, he's older mm-hmm. than he hangs out with uh, uh, Gopher. Like, what's his name? <laughs> Not Gopher. <laughs> I don't remember Gopher either. Badger. 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 I don't remember Badger either. I need he to watch it again. I think Austin will watch it with me. He hangs out with Badger, but he's, um, he's older. Uh, anyway. There's this, and Vince Gilligan is so good at this kind of thing. And again, Dave, thanks for bringing this up because it does bring it home that I think Vince Gilligan treats all his characters like they are the protagonist. And that is why that they are just so rich. There's this wonderful moment, maybe season three or something, um, where Jesse's hanging out with Badger and Skinny Pete and they're at like some music store. Um, and I think that I think Jesse's buying big giant speakers because he, uh, he's just being destructive and wants to be loud, um, throw big parties at his house. And uh, Skinny Pete is over and he just starts playing the piano. And do you remember this, Dave? Vaguely. <laughs> and it's just like he plays the piano beautifully. <laughs> and you would never, ever expect this guy to play the piano, let alone play the piano so beautifully. And they don't talk about it. Like there's right. like... And that's what makes Vince Gilligan great because in another show that becomes an, like a plot point. <laughs> yeah. I have a real pet peeve about um, a, a version of that. And I can't think of any examples at all, but they'll show you a scene. It's usually visual. It is visual. They'll show you a scene and there's something in it. It's either a joke or it's something you're supposed to notice. And then it's like, oh, and then they zoom in on it and you're like, motherfucker, <laughs> I saw it. Why are you being right. an asshole? <laughs> yes. And so, you know, Vince Gilligan doesn't do that. I mean, he does draw our eye to very specific things, but he he lets the show breathe. And um, he does treat all his protagonists or all his characters like they're just worthy of being a protagonist. The 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 guy, Salamanca, right? Like yeah. that guy or Gus Fring. I, I was going to say Gus. Gus I think is Gus- pretty great. Gus I would like to be, see a Gus story. Right. Uh, Gus could totally be the protagonist of Breaking Bad just from a different angle, right? Um, he's not any less sympathetic. I mean, he's a murderer, but so is Walter. That's why he's so interesting. Because <laughs> I he think just he's seems, more sympathetic yeah, than Walter. I agree. Especially yeah. like that whole scene by the pool. Um, oh, yeah. That was boyfriend. amazing. Yeah. yeah. That was just, when I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, man, I fucking love this character. And, yeah, yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Yeah, totally. All right. So let us know what you guys think um, when, I don't know, email us and stuff. I'm, I guess I'm tired. Um, so just to remind you guys that A Tale of Two Authors is out for those of you who aren't listening live. Um, Sterlingandstone.net slash two authors with two spelled out, T-W-O. And also just for the for you live viewers, we, won't, we aren't going to have a live show next week. Because Sean is, and this is going to sound like a punchline, it's not, he's in Mexico. So (laughs) even though he's not Mexican anymore, he's going to Mexico. And so um, so we're not having a live show next week. That's why we did two today for you live viewers. For you non-live viewers. Why would anybody go to Mexico? You're going to get kidnapped. What the hell? I Uh, don't think given their accommodations, they're going to get kidnapped. I just don't get that feeling. It's Never leave your house. (laughs) Just in life. Yes. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to uh, Story Studio Podcast. We will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Adios.